So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever this is. This is Machibili alongside Makatiki Banding Crime, Ricardo Medina. Hola, hola, hola. And this is another episode of Bears Beats and Billy. And in today's episode, we have, well, in your case, Ricardo, you have a couple of animated, um, well, seasons basically of animated shows to talk about. That yeah. would be Infinity Train and The Owl House, two shows yeah. which I haven't gotten gotten around to checking out as yet but you know you review the previous seasons and you enjoy them i remember that yeah. uh also we will talk about peninsula right so i will talk about that and last but not least we will talk about the the long awaited sequel literally <laughs> about 30 years or there about in the making that would be bill and ted facing music by yeah yeah we, we 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 go talk about that but yeah all jokes aside though uh, we have to kind of kick things off on a serious note, um, on a sad note, I should say, though, uh, because roughly a day or two before we met up here online, before the time it's recorded here, um, Chadwick Boseman, boy, yeah, passed away. Uh, really horrible yeah. news. Um... And just to, to, to kind of kick things off, so this is not going to be a in memoriam, you know, segment here. We're just kind of talking about um, what his like what his career um and you know the films that he he started you know i mean the roles that he picked yeah. you know what i mean what that what that meant to, to us basically you know what i mean um but yeah in terms of me receiving this news um i was you know just came home from work i was just tired and you know just something roughly close to 11 o'clock so i'm just told her check on go on youtube just see if some youtube i followed you know put up a new video and i saw this live stream with charlie boseman dead i'm like what so right. the first thing I tell myself, like, all right, well, okay, maybe somebody on, on Facebook, somebody in my feed actually shared this up, shared this, right? So went on Facebook, see a ton of people, you know, put up these posts, these RIP yeah. posts. Then I went to my credible source, that would be Yahoo, and I was like, seriously, this man died, though. But yeah. the thing that, 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 that surprised me, right, and then we'll get to, it, um, to how you found out about that, um, was how he died, actually, right? right um, yeah. And that would be... Let me see. Let me just put it up quickly. Right. Um, with stage 3 colon cancer, which he was diagnosed with uh, back in 2016, right? And right. basically, yeah. he was battling with it for four years as it progressed to stage 4. So right. I'm like, I didn't even know this, right? Because I know yeah, it has some people who put up, you know, the last um, last Instagram post that he put up or tweet or whatever it is, showing his um, his face and how his, how his body looked and whatnot. Well, I think it's up his, up his torso. But to me, because right. it wasn't all over the news, I didn't even know that he was sick, you know what I mean? So that really like, yeah. just caught me by surprise now. Yeah, no one no one knew, you know. Well, well very few people knew. Um, oh, okay, know. okay. Yeah, it's not like it's not like this was news. It had, it had hints of it when back in, sometime in, I think in April or March, uh-huh. uh, you know, he he was, there. So he had like some footage, he was looking sick. And was kind of making thing about it and he's you know everybody kind of was always making jokes oh he's looking tired and so and so mm-hmm. um but he when he those pictures look genuinely worrying and what people what people said is either he's sick or um some people dismissed it as him um preparing for a role yeah you know, losing weight for, for, for a role right, right. or something again like, you know a la christian bill right i mean christian bill yeah. right? um and I, that's what people kind of dismiss it as. But I, you know, some people was like le- legitimately concerned about um, the situation as it was. And then it just kind of went away. So nobody was talking about it. And then because of COVID, just distracting everybody, nobody was thinking about it. 
Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and he just he knew. From what I understand, everybody who um, was close to him was aware of the situation. Um, so mm-hmm. I suspect all of the, like, while they were shooting Black Panther, all Lupita Nyong'o would have known. Um, Lion Kugler knew. The higher-ups at Disney knew. Um, so people kind of prepared themselves for it. And to me, I think, um, you know, if, if they, they were aware of it and they prepared themselves for it, I think it, it, it kind of softened the blow for me a little bit. It's not like, you know, it was a big horror shock to them. Or, or, I mean, it was a shock to me. But I'm, you know, some nobody in Trinidad, right? So, you know, <laughs> I not, my, my opinion is not important on, in, in their, you know, grief or suffering in that sense. Um, you know, but yeah, it is, he, he, for I understand, he demand do like what, close to 10 movies or something like that? Period. Yeah, well, well, uh, okay. So I wouldn't say that's that's the exact figure, but yeah, from the time he was diagnosed, um, you know, he just he just kept working. You know, what I mean, he just kept yeah, doing yeah. F- film after film after film. Yeah. Um, and just to, just to talk about films briefly, right? So for me, my introduction to um to to Chadwick would be the movie Forty Two, right? Which is a movie right. that I would not have watched. Had it not been for the usage of um, Jay-Z's Brooklyn Go Hard, right. <laughs> I mean, it was just all over the, the market for this, right? right? But I looked at the trailer, I was like, okay, okay this, is, this is interesting, you know, Jackie Robertson and whatnot, don't really yeah. know much about him and whatnot. And I checked out the film, um, honestly, it I only saw it once, I don't remember much of it, but I remember really enjoying it. I really yeah. dug um, Chadwick's performance in it, I remember yeah. um, Harris Ford was in it as well, he was great in that. Um, right. Unfortunately, I missed Get On Up. I I, I don't know. I just right, beat myself to this day that I didn't see it. But I imagine yeah. you saw it, right? Yeah, that that's the film that wake me up to him. I, I I thought he was okay in Forty Two, but he was right. really good in um in in Get On Up. I was like, wow, you know, Neil James wrong day, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, you know the thing with Chadwick is that he's you know he just kind of look like this. He's one of those you, you, you don't like the, the the public don't know him, but he just kind of come out of nowhere and it's like, hey, how this black actor come out of nowhere and get all these, all these big roles? That's and right. then when you once you do all these little dig up on on him, you do a little bit of a little research, you realize, oh no, he's um he's he's like a big theater person. He's one of those actors, actors. You know? Um, yeah, 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 and also he was he he appeared in a bunch of TV shows prior right. to him even being popular in in, in Hollywood. You exactly. Know? So yeah, exactly. So it, it was one of these things that he just kind of he come up and then so people in the industry know him and then when he get he get he picked for Black Panther, you know again most people didn't know him but I I was like oh yeah right he's one of these guys who's a good pick. God, that's what Marvel is doing. Right? They just get somebody who no good but not too too popular, um you know to 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 play the roles in these kind of things and it's a nice little call. So it's, it, so you know it kind of train you know internet internet sleuths like me to to look for that type of person um, when you're hearing who they could get for a role or whatever it is not yet so he was like on my shortlist as well and I was like yeah when they went to pick him I was like yeah I would and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know the rest is history I mean I, I thought he was truly fantastic in um, in Civil War um, oh, right you know, right right and this was our first introduction to to, to his role as you know T'Challa aka um, yeah. Black Panther right yeah. and yeah and him him going through the mainstream you know really coming into the mainstream as a as a big character people you know for the first, you know yeah we never get Black Panther on screen so they, they actually pull it off right um, and yeah. you know then he went on to do Black Panther which was his mega hit not only you know in terms of money but in terms of just the cultural impact of it and, that's right you yeah. know I, I saw a lot of people like pulling and it roping people who wouldn't be watching them comic book movies right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to think it was just legit two years ago, eh? and yeah. you know, us being comic book nerds watching people go into cinemas with the shikis on, uh, you know, like you know, yeah. literally a few months from now, it go be um, Avengers Infinity War. But none all they gonna see that shit, right? But it didn't matter uh, yeah. any time because it was it was just such a big deal, not just because yeah. it was a big landmark um, superhero film, but you know, 
first time really in a long while that we had a mostly black cast, you know what I mean? And the way how they were right. portrayed um, on screen, you know what I mean? That was just such a big deal, you know? Right. I, I would argue that it, it, it wrote people in who want to watch the comic book movies, you know, mm-hmm. they say, hey, what's what going on with these movies, boy? that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I would argue that. Uh, but yeah, uh, he 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 does some. Um, you know, he come in. He started to do other roles. He had, he started to do other little iconic roles. He did the Good Marshall movie, which <laughs> has make fun because you know you, you don't really look anything like Good Marshall. But it was still a solid, <laughs> solid, solid uh, still a really solid performance by him. Um, right, I, I, yeah, I haven't he, seen it, unfortunately. Yeah, should. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty good in that. Um, right. um, also, just just to get the comic book stuff out of the way, of course, there was Infinity War and Endgame in you know, right. the two parter. Yeah. Um, and you know, one thing on like on Twitter, right? You know, I mean, with people sharing clips of you know, um, of Chadwick's performance as Black Panther, the one scene of the show is in um, in Endgame when he returns, right? In right. the yeah. portals, and whatnot, and you know, yeah, just that moment alone, yeah, the that, scene. that scene alone, that sequence alone was was you know, brought the man tears out of me. I, I'd admit yeah. that I just love that scene so much, you know, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they did a, a really. That's like probably truly a truly iconic scene, and he, you know, he started it. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, as I say, he, as an actor, he was he was pretty good. He did little small rules. He, you know, he, again, because I am surprised by it. But again, because he kind of reserve himself to the to the situation. Um, I don't think I don't think like you know again the problem with with um, cancer is that it's so touch and go now. You're not sure how long a person could survive, especially with cancers that could hold on or have a short return rate, rate um, or return survival. Like in the case of, say, something like Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, you know, could have easily died decades prior, but he survived for a long oh, time. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, I actually uh, didn't know that, actually. Right. Meanwhile, in, in his case, because of the nature of the, the cancer, it is colorectal cancer thing, mm. uh, that, that hard to sort out now because it's so, 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 um, so tied into the, the function, the fundamental function of the body now. You can't right. just say, oh, I'm going to replace my colon. You, know, you can't just do that. Um, yeah. or, or, cut, or cut that out. So via surgery and, and whatever treatments, you know, it's one of these things that real touch and go in. It's kind of hard for him as it is. Um, yeah. As I say, as I, say the, what, I would say what I argue that softens the blow, if anything, um, is what, the fact that, you know, they reserve themselves around it. You know, he, you know, resigned himself. He keep it quiet. But, you know, I, if, if my attitude is once you, you yourself not surprised or something like that. I mean, it's hurt a lot less than, uh, say Kobe, because Kobe was like an accident. It was something that yes, nobody expected, yes, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, in in that case, no. Um, but this one is still very very sad, and, and you know, but you know, you know, at least you're you're somewhat stoic about it to to maintain. I think, and this, you know, life has to go on. Yeah, um, that that that's true. That's true. Um, and you know, like we could we could talk about well, you know, what I mean, why why didn't he reveal that he had you know stage four colon right, cancer and all that right, kind of stuff, right. but. That's just like an argument that really don't make any sense. That don't really hold any water. Well, it's like it, it, it's it's yeah. his decision, you know. What I mean, um, exactly. to keep it within his his, yeah, his your, private you circle, basically. Yeah, you know, you don't owe your ass nothing. No. I mean, is is he's not like some politician or something. You know, he's actor. Yeah, in the end of the day, he still have a personal life and whatever it is. I mean, exactly. uh, but it, it, he in doesn't want you. He doesn't want you worrying about him every exactly. time you see him right. on screen, right? Right, yeah. right. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's another thing too. Is that you know you know want to think about him as that you know. Um, uh, but I, uh, it is it really sad to see like in retrospect all the little interviews about it and what he was going through at the time. Um, you know, it, well, a lot of interviews about cancer itself. He's talking about kids with cancer. You know, he used to visit um, St. Jude's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, as Black Panther, whatnot. A lot of people look up him, look up to him as, as a hero and whatnot. 
And I, yeah. I think the, the cultural impact is, is fascinating to watch play out. You know, you hear, you hear parents say things like, you know, how do I explain to my son how Black Panther died? I know you explain uh, death to children and these kind of things. No? Um, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's just, just people have to be, you know, for the lack of a better term, you know, more, you're mourn, but at the same time, understand this is part of life. It's not something that could, you know, that has happened. You know, and course, I say, yeah. it's not to say, again, if it, if it was a surprise to him, I would, be, I would feel more sad about it. But he himself, the mere fact that he himself resigned himself and was well, well, for lack of a better term, you know, you know, forgive the pun, he was regal about the whole yeah. thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he he held it together, and he's just yeah, let me just live my life and you know, give people as much joy as I can as, as long as I hear, and you know, that's what he did. Yeah, and, and, I can't and be mad, you can't be mad at that. So no, no, no. Um, and just to, to touch on that um, quickly, um, that's that's really the one thing that I want to to think about and and take away from this, right? Above everything else, right? Because. I mean, we could talk about 2020 being a sucky year. I mean, it was, yeah. um, especially with the, with the people that we've lost, right? But I mean, that that's just part of life, right? But at the right. same time, it's the mere fact that he was able to inspire and make other people believe, you know what I mean? Not just with Black Panther, but just himself as a person, you know what I mean? In, yeah. and, sorry, in front and behind the camera, basically, right? Right. And, um, for me, I I just want that to be something that I'll always remember, you know what I mean? Not just yeah. about, um, about, well, meaning about him, right? right. I... I mean, I, I may not be able to reach that level that he's at, you know what I mean, ever. Right. But still, the little that I could do here now, you know what I mean? Like, what I'm yeah. doing here right now with this podcast, um, you know what I mean? Reaching out to my friends, or my friends reaching out to me, me trying to help them all the best way I could, you know what I mean? I don't want to sound preachy, but the point is is that we, we are not sure how long we're going to live and whatnot. So it's just a matter of what we can do with this time that, we, that right. we're allotted, right? Uh, for a guy yeah. like him, knowing that he had this... This, this illness for, for four years and yet we were still mesmerized every time he was on screen, right? Um, with, yeah. you know, Civil War and Black Panther and all that kind of stuff. This is just testament to what, how, you know what I mean? Just the type of person that he was, you know what I mean? He didn't let his illness get the better of him. Um, and last thing I want to say though, um, Five Bloods, right? Um, this would be the, the literally, well, you could say it is the final performance from him, but um, also, you know, there's uh, another Netflix film that's supposed to be um, right. well that was scheduled for release called Marini's Black Bottom. Uh, we're not right. too sure when that's gonna come out, but yeah, that right. technically is you know the last time you're gonna see um, you know Chadwick on screen. But right. yeah, I mean, even in the Five Bloods, even though the show wasn't primarily about him, you know, what I mean, his performance as um, Norman Holloway, you know, Storm and Norm, you know, what I mean, was 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 great in my opinion. Who right. he represented, you know, what I mean, um, you know, about Black Pride and all that kind of stuff, you know, what I mean. So it's really the the, the rules that he chose. I mean, yes, you had stuff like Twenty One Bridges, which I never saw. You um, had stuff like Gods of Egypt, where you just make a appearance. But the, the the point is. It's not really so much about the films, but it's about the man himself and what he was able to do and how he was able to really impact the world, you know what I mean? Just just by right. playing one character and then another and another. So yeah, I mean I felt I felt I, I, I was shook actually um that Friday night when I got the news. Yeah. Um and actually, you know what I mean, and all true Saturday just post after post after post, tweet after tweet, you know what I mean? Just people sharing their um their, you know, their their thoughts, you know what I mean, rest in peace and all that kind of stuff to man. I mean yeah, I mean, this, this is how it had to be now. But just to look back at it and really think about, yeah, this is what this man was able to do and really impact the world so much that 
yeah, even ABC and all gonna show a special for this tonight. Times recording here, yeah. right, yeah. um, TBS yeah. gonna be running Black Panther, um, you know, this week and all that kind of stuff. It's just, right. yeah. yeah, just testament to how great Amani is. So, yeah, yeah Rambly enough, um, Chadwick Boseman, yeah, you yeah. are a true legend, you are a true icon, yeah, man. To ch- <laughs> I was gonna say what kind of forever for first sec, but yeah, man. I mean, you will be daily miss. You will yeah. continue to inspire. Millions of people, you know what I mean, regardless of, of skin color, you know, nationality, class, all that kind of stuff. You, you, you yeah. did it, right? You changed your will. And yeah. it's just a matter of us, you know, doing the same in our own ways. Uh, Ricardo, any last thoughts on, you know? Yeah, that? yeah. I mean, because um, I was already kind of down because someone, a local actress, died as well. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. So, um, well, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, and what happens? I watching. I was watching she face, um, and I, she looked vaguely familiar. And I think she now came in when I was leaving. Um, oh, and I, was, hey, I was like, wait, this little, I was like, wait, this little young dude is like, wow, somebody, you know, the little things like that to start making a dong anyway. So, yeah, yeah. So I, would, I think that she she just would mention it as well. Um, of course, man. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's um, Annalisa Wickham. If I haven't seen before. Um, no, I'm, she, I'm aware of it actually. So, right. Right. Um, so that that well, her picture and you know a, a few articles being posted on on Facebook. So right, I'm aware yeah. of it too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's, it's just um, so there's little things that some kind of done anyway. But yeah, I yeah, Chadwick was is a big deal for people. I can see I can see it's, it's really unfortunate and sad how these institutions between this and Kobe boy rough. I know, right? Real rough, real rough, real rough, real rough. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you know, all in all, life goes on, man. So, yeah. you know, just I, I'm, I'm just hoping that that um, you know, to, to the to the people who were inspired by Chadwick, that they continue to 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 do so and not you know just give up because he's gone. And you know, for the next generation, um, you know, the ones who whose parents will show them, you know, the Black Panther films or the Black Panther appearances yeah. and photos and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping that they will be inspired to you know do great things and change your will, man. Yeah, and you just really, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. So moving on now, um, let's talk about some cartoons. Well, you're going to talk about a couple of animated shows that uh, whose latest right. seasons have wrapped up. That would be um, Infinity Train and right. um, the Owl House. So if you mind, please, if you could start off with the Owl House first and then end with Infinity Train. Yeah, sure. All right. So the Owl House was a show. Again, I am. Um, I have found myself making insane amount of efforts. Uh, pushing for new animated shows to get right. a good chance, you know. I wasn't the biggest fan of Steven Universe, but it was uh, is a show that I grew to appreciate. Um, you know, Adventure Time was up there for me all the time. Of course, Cora, um, whatnot. But new shows with new ideas and feeling, in, you know, Disney has been doing a lot of good stuff and, and Cartoon Network has been pushing a lot of good stuff for new shows. It's not adult animation. It's stuff for kids, right? But feels original and imaginative and interesting and not cynical. And it falls into the paradigm of what I call hope punk kind of um, storytelling, which is, it's a lot of it is clearly, much like how Adventure Time is for kids, it's clearly, you know, for adults to vent as well. It, it, does a, it has that borderline therapeutic aspect to it. And, and I thought Adventure Time and, and, and Steven Universe did a good job with that, like setting that up and setting that paradigm up of it's, a thing that it's for kids. It's design, clearly designed for kids, and it's it's for a young audience. But it's clearly it could also be a nice little uh, psychological little filter for adults and people who never really uh, had a good childhood, you know, or right. or sorting out a lot of that. And you could tell, you could tell that they really 
do a, a lot of the story ty- storytelling is about sorting out you know effectively being therapeutic for an adult like you know ch- people who didn't have good childhoods or abusive childhoods or something like that and and it, it really kind of grew up as but not particularly healthy adult psychologically and this show infinity train is does that in speeds right every season so far has been doing this um you know it's you, you see a lot of it's about a little girl a little character but then the little girl is the is a filter for an adult character to have them go through the thing or a character who become too toxic or something like that right going on in time and infinity train well to to just to, to spell out the premise uh what infinity train is is just for whatever reason little children are, are taken like just magically transported to this magical train and it's effectively called the infinity train because well it seems to go on forever in this like it's unclear how well it's it apparently infinite according to the name uh but what it does is that it every time you go into a carriage you have to solve a problem and you have to solve a problem to go to the next carriage but what it does is that it'll give you the train is give you this number and if your number goes to zero that is when you do something internally like to solve a problem in your mind and it's really solving a problem with yourself and that's what it is right that is how the the train is like read yourself and then give you a scenario to solve but not not to, not to solve a problem like a, a puzzle but it's usually to solve something within yourself some trouble that you have something you have to do and when your number go down the more effectively good things you do um your number will go down and when you reach a zero you, you leave the train um but then the story what the story takes a turn with is that it have people who misinterpret the number so in season two you meet two characters who misinterpret these were two kind of two villains who misinterpret the number and say no they're supposed to make the number higher and every time they do some shitty okay. thing the number keep going going higher and they, they equate that to power and mm. clearly the, sub, the subtext is people who think toxic behavior is is um equal to power or, or toxic behavior is a thing that you should be in like in life or you know it have people who equate well being a mean boss means that you have to be a boss or something like that if, if you understand these subtext of yeah, so this, I cannot... this is complexities man but um, right but, but just, just, a, just a continue for a sec um do you find it um or or is it prese- or are these themes presented in a in um too complex in, in a in, no, a, in a far complex way to kids no 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 it's 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 quite brilliant actually because how they do it in such a way where like i i can imagine how it's designed a little kid could 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 understand what's going on because it's it's you know it have a lot of I think one of the big things is that a lot of a lot of animation people think animation is only for if it, if it's for uh, kids you have to do, you have to talk down to children and you can't do deep or serious topics like say death or deeper serious topics like say abuse or something like that and a child won't understand which I think is something is very wrong a lot of people misinterpret that a lot of animation kind of stray away from that in the last few years and these modern shows cater to that but they don't cater to it in such a blatantly well only for adults way because we have we have a whole culture and this started well it started with the simpsons but it started with family guy and all these other shows where you have the adult animation that's clearly for adults with adult material but then you have stuff that just handles stuff in a psychological sense that a kid could understand but it's still a deep topic that an adult could also handle because i, I would argue a lot of adults just simple simply never sort out themselves um, mm-hmm. psychologically right that's why we have a set of problems in the world i would argue that is like the root of a lot of problems in our world um and what these shows i think are better at um is handling adult ideas without it being uh, um talking down to children so i right. remember what was, the name of the show? 
What's the name of the show back in the days, boy? Um, a show with a elf. Shit, I forget I showed you. It's slipping my mind, but it's a show about this guy who was a dwarf and he was a like the leader of a tribe. And the show was like a really adult show for kids. Um, but it, it didn't talk down to children. A little child could understand and appreciate the material. And, and, and that's why, why, why a lot of these shows I appreciate so much now. Infinity Train, in particular, Shira, the new Shira did a, a, a good job with a lot of that. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and well, Owl House I'll also talk about as well. So you say you wanted me to talk about Owl House first, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we could kind of, you could kind of talk about boot and kind of compare and contrast. Right, 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 right. Well, yeah, they, 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 more they, they, or less they, a great job with that so far. Yeah, they, they do their own thing. All right, in the case, well, I'll just address Infinity Train. So, Infinity Train in season two, they address they had these two characters that they introduced. Um, they they misinterpret the, the number as you have to go higher instead of going lower because the goal that was established in season one, the goal is to go lower. So what they did is they set up this power system and whatnot and just they lived live, live, live on the train for a very long time, much longer than they should have. And what ended up happening is they end up getting um, the, the season three now focuses on the two of them. So there were two side characters in season two. And then the season three focuses on the two main two of them. And what the season effectively does is that they discover a little girl who has a number, but they're not sure why she has a number. Because she'll number blanked out. So they have to solve a mystery. Because you learn all the little internal mechanics of how the train is working in season one. And you, you learn all this little history about the train. Quite possible who built the train whatnot, right? You learn everything, but you learn enough to just build on these characters. And then what season two does, it focuses on these two, the two main characters on the leader of something called Apex. And the reason why they call themselves Apex is because they are the apex of the train. So they treat themselves as the masters of the train. Again, you know, justifying justifying and trying to quantify toxic behavior, which is the subtext of it now. And the two main characters... Okay, slip my mind right now. Just take a little break. Yeah, do your like, thing, do your thing. Um, pull, up, pull up a wiki. Yeah, sorry about that. Just look over she but... Yeah, these two characters. So they, they focus on these three um, characters. So you, you focus on uh, Grace Monroe, that is, and then Simon. Uh, Grace and Simon is the two things. They're the two leaders of Apex. The reason they're, they're the two leaders... It's because they have the highest numbers. They, they, that is the little the, the, the rule of thumb. And they just used to raid other cars and then bring back resources and abuse um, the little sprite creatures. Because the infinity train of these little conscious creatures that are not humans, but they like sprites and they treat them as um, they treat them as thing. But then they discover a girl by the name of Hazel. Now it was implied, and it's it, it's possible that it, that that still might be the case that they, that Hazel is their daughter. Um, because she looks literally like a mix of the two of them. She because uh, Grace is a black girl and Simon is a white boy. Um, but you you okay. reveal something. You reveal something about Hazel later. And Ooh. what happened? Basically, the season was all about Grace's arc, where she kind of was the main. You know, she was the leader of, of Apex, and her whole the whole point of hers was being the leader and, and trying to sort out the thing. But when she meet um, Hazel. She realized that you know it kind of that is not the way to go, and she was misinterpreting what was going on or the nature of the train, and basically misinterpreting the idea that the number needs to be high. She realized no, the number needs to be low, and over the period of the season, it gets into this aspect of who becomes toxic and power structures and whatnot with respect to that. And yeah, this was actually quite brilliant. It's probably the best season of them all. Um, from oh, nice, the, nice, nice. Yeah, in my opinion, I I really like season one and season two, and I was hyped for this show for a long time since. It got its its pilot years ago. It got its pilot like about five years ago. I like we are really want the show to get greenlit. 
Um, and it did. And, well, you know, within a year, we get three seasons. Um, its format works. It's, it's just these quick 10-minute episodes throughout, throughout the season, and it, it builds up its narrative quite well. So it's like you're watching a movie, effectively, over the, over the period of a, of a season. Um, you've had three seasons so far. They, they, just, they just belt it out um, real quickly. And it's all about, you know, this season was about Grace having to come to terms with herself and being effectively a bad person because she was, she was the leader of Apex, you know, being so destructive towards the train itself. Um, they eventually meet one of the earlier members of um, this, uh, this character. I forget. I think, I think this character was introduced in season one. I forget. This is um, Amelia, right? Or the conductor. Um, she was uh, the, the original leader of the train back in the days. That was in season one. And she comes back as a, as a she makes her appearance in the season to explain what was going on to them, and she kind of clears up the narrative about the train and what going on. She because she have an internal working understanding and knowledge of the train, um, and yeah, she um, she comes back as as the main main antagonist, not antagonist really, but the main player in addressing the situation about the train and, and what going on with it and why the train was built in the first place. Um, and they, well, she, they, they played the events, play itself out. I don't want to spoil the ending. It's really dark and interesting, but really good. And, you know, they, they get into Simon's arc. They get into Ting's arc. They bring back another character played by, um, by our favorite Captain Janeway. She plays a cat. Um, okay. Is, um, oh, gosh, Captain Janeway. I forget the actress name. Uh, she plays the cat and she was um, with Simon at one point. And, you know, they get into Simon's aspect and his arc. You know, really, really sad character, unfortunately, what they do with him. And, yeah, they play it out. And I thought it was excellent. Uh, as a rating, I'll give it, like, probably a 9 out of 10. Um, nice, nice, yeah, nice. Actually, actually better than the other two seasons before. The sad part, I hear that it hasn't been renewed yet. Not sure what's going on there. So, I really uh, so, so, so the, the, um, the story is, is still... Well, well sorry. That's, that's, it, it still has... The story has more to go, but it's well, just... That's, that, that's, right that's the, yeah, that's the thing with the show. The way the show is done is that it could stop at any time. And then that's like it could tell anyone's story because it's just about the train and the kids. And then they just get very imaginative with what the carts will be in terms of what you have to do and solve a problem. So they'll come up with something real weird and clever. So the way it's, it's, it ended is that they, they could continue with the Hazel character because I find she was pretty interesting because she has a number, but she's not technically a human. So we're not sure what's going on with her. Um, I have a pet theory about her, but you, you could get into that later. Um, uh, and that's basically it. Um, so I'm not sure if they, they think, but the, the nature of the show is I could go on forever because you could just say, oh, well, this is a new character and this, we'll just tell the story about this character. And because right. it's literally Infinity Train, I don't think it'll have an end per se. Um, yeah, so, so, so I just imagine somebody saying, we're never getting off this train. And they just, just play that stupid song from a, Remember that all these end Gilligan's Island with that, yeah. But but the whole point is that arcs and the arcs of the show characters get in and off of the train. So you start, you get your number to zero, and you leave. Um, the first two seasons did that. The third season, the way how they set it up as if Grace is now on her way to getting her number down, but it's take a while to get a number down. Um, and she her number at the point of the storyline is very high, so you know, she could be there for a little while as well. Um, it has this big kind of subtext of purgatory if you want to make it that analogy. I think close analogy I could use with the train. Um, anyway, I thought this was excellent and I rated quite high. I enjoyed it. I'll add that to my uh, to my to watch this. Yeah, I really hope it gets a season four. It's it's you remember when um this guy did an adult oh god the, the big real psychedelic 
cartoon that was on Netflix. Which I haven't seen as you mentioned gospel. That's also right. on my yeah. list. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a toned version of that show, you can see. It's not as wild yeah, enough, not, as, yeah. not as trippy as that, but it's there. It's like in that same frame of reference of everything is all subtext and, and you know oneric dreamlike thinking and this kind of thing, right? Is that there's a yeah. lot of that. It, it, it's, it's more about your psyche and your, your personality and you having to sort out your, your inner demons effectively. Um, that's right. the show, all of the subjects of the show is that. But then, you know, Adventure Time and Steven Universe, a lot of that as well. Um, next show. Uh, uh, the All House. Yes. This would be, um, is this, this is season two we're at, right? No, season one. Well, they, they, cut, they, cut, it in, they cut the season in two parts, but I think it's still season one. Oh, okay, okay. Can I remember? Right. Last year, you talked about um, you 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 reviewed well the first half first, of, of the show. Effectively, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. But basically, this is this is the real season one now. Um, this is the okay, end of the season. Okay. One. This is not season. Yeah, two. So, it's, so it's kind of a DC um, universe kind of thing. Yeah, they, they just kind of cut it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the show. Um, right, but but yeah. for 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 us who who still nothing you know, uh, what is right. the All House about? Right, so the All House is about this this girl named Luz, right? Um, Luz, uh, Luz, uh, what's, your, what's your full name? But she's a, is a Guatemalan character, actually. But at least okay, she okay, Guatemalan I thought it was like, uh, a, 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 like a term for Lucy or something like that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Lucy, uh, well, it's at either Guatemalan or, or Dominican, I think is the character. Anyway, Luz is a teenager, she's like about, well, like 13 in the storyline. Um, she basically, again, magical scenario, she stumbles on into this magical world, right? Called the, the, the Boiling Isles. And she encounters this witch by the name of, um, name of Ida, right? Ida is this weirdo witch woman who is the owl, they call her the owl lady. And then she lives in a place called the owl house. And the house is literally an owl house. It's, it's, a like, a this owl face that's been talking constantly, and the house kind of half semi-conscious, but the, the head of the house itself like actually conscious and it's talked to them and it's been bothering them. And it's just a world of magic, right? So right. It's, it's Harry Potter. I, I, I get a uh, kind of a Hayao Miyazaki slash Spirit right. of the Wave vibe from this. A little bit, yes. A, yeah. little, a little bit of that. So it's, it's this real weird world of, of things going on, but it's have a magical school. And what they do is it's a kind of, well, you know, because of, of recent news, it's a kind of, it is kind of, a little bit is kind of, uh, you know, kind of shit on, on J.K. Rowling a little bit, right? Because, well, J.K. Rowling has been very controversial in the last few months. Um, mm-hmm. So, so often, yeah. Yeah, with her opinion on, on trans people. And it's have a whole back and forth with that. But um, the show makes a lot of fun of Harry Potter. And it's, it's kind of just kind of filling that space. Um, the big thing with the show that was implied in the, la- in the first half of season one is that the main character is uh, bisexual. Yes, uh, I, I remember an article about this right. um, a month back, actually. It's like, um, right. this is the that first is... Disney character to right. well, to be in a TV show. Right. Well, the, um, the... Sorry, animated TV show that's um, bisexual. Right. Yeah. Right. So the creator of the show, much like the creator of, of uh, She-Ra, is, is, a, is a lesbian. Um, the creator of, of the All House is Dana Terrace. She's apparently, she's, she became bisexual. Well, she made a bi character and well, she got through with it. And um, she gets support by, well, another an, a person who voices the character and also a creative member of the show is um, Alex Hirsch. Um, he is of, well, another show that's um, he, the, hype, the hype character. Another show that was a big show back in the days. I was, um, what do you call it? The show ended the other day. Um, uh, Gravity Falls. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right. Um, was, I, I, I never, I never got onto that show unfortunately. Right. Yeah. So. Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls was a great show for kids. That's another show that that dealt with a lot of stuff, but it was still more funny than anything. And that show ended, and I thought that show was great. Um, mm-hmm. but Alex Schultz was the creator. That show that came and went, and now he's in this show as a, a side character, voicing voicing that thing. And he, you know, lending his full support. He talks about how back in the time when Gravity Falls was out, they wouldn't be able to get away with the stuff like they 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 pulling off now. And so he, you know, full support of the show and the progressive yeah. nature of the show. Um, and I uh, I really like the show because of how interesting and imaginative it is. And then they do the characterization. And one of the most important things about um, sexuality and talking to kids about sexuality is, is people like to poison the argument by saying, well, you know, it's some kind of child abuse. So, you know, little children can't understand this. So something like some nonsense like that. And it's like, no, you could have these, these characters and have a matter of romance without it being an explicitly sexual thing. You know, people, when we think yeah. of... You know, yeah. sadly, sadly, in the, in the last 30 years or so, when you're talking about um, gay culture or whatnot, it was, it was sadly intrinsically tied up with, with sex, sex worker culture, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think sex worker culture was important and whatnot, but no, it, it had nothing to do with, you don't have to relate that to children at all, right? Of course, right? So, oh, 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 yeah. Right. So what it did, you know, when, when people are, you know, associate, you know, historically people used to associate homosexuals with pedophilia and all this nonsense. And the idea is, well, how it is you could, you could normalize um, LGBT culture within, for children and not have it be poisoned, right? You know, all of these church idiots who come out of the woodwork and say, hey, you're trying to poison the children with your evil Satan stuff. Nope. The show does a really good job with that. Um, it sets up these characters where it's more a matter of romance, and these characters are. Well, in the case of the case of Shira, these characters are a lot older, so you can kind of pass it over. But these characters are much younger; they're like thirteen, or basically around the same time as Harry Potter. Um, the Harry Potter characters, and they have an arc with it, but it's not the, mo- the main arc of the storyline. It's a side thing. It's done, you know, done well. You know, in terms of just solid characterization. Um, Luce Noceda is the name of the character. She is the main character. She is a human, so she's not capable of magic. But what she has done is she come up with a new form of magic by realizing that you could write, if you write magic in paper and tap it, um, it causes an effect with a certain symbol. So it has to do with, so her magical abilities is more to do it with writing. Well, writing symbology. And that's what they do, which is a really interesting thing. And it kind of spoils something in my comic. <laughs> Uh, why, 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 why did they do that? <laughs> because you know, because I, I had an idea for that for zero sum, like one of the main arcs, one of the main characters is learned that anyway. Whatever. Uh, but anyway, I like that. I like that. I see my idea in somebody else's story before uh, other people thinking similar to me. That's good. Anyway, um, <laughs> nice. uh, but yeah, what they do is they make the main arc with um, they, they resolve in the with the season finale, they, they resolve the main arc involving Ida, she's uh, one of the main uh, the old lady herself. You learn that she has a curse. And you learn the main bad guy um, is um, the main bad guy, you know, what he do. And, and he's the leader of the, the witching world. And they started they setting up, they start setting up world building for it. Um, in terms of she, was, she has a curse and they have to address with her being, um, I don't want to spoil the story if you want to watch it, but she has a curse and the curse allowed her to get captured. And then he have to use her to control magic in the world because basically before him wild magic what you call wild magic which is effectively mixing magical abilities which is there's a subtext there, obviously uh, mm. <laughs> wink wink uh, yeah, yeah right, there's a subtext there um about mixing magical abilities and doing this this you know square of knowledge and you know people could be more than one thing you know it's not it's not a system of control there and it it it, it clearly has a subtext for 
a progressive agenda going forward, um, especially with LGBT people. You know, it's not just this or not just that. Um, they don't have to be controlled by even those people who had to struggle, but they themselves create systems that control that could control you. You know, you could talk about non-binary people or whatnot. No? And it, there's a whole thing with that. And I thought uh, the world building is excellent. The show is funny. Good characterization. And then the finale was pretty exciting and well done. And it did the ending of the finale was like did a big shake up to the status quo. Um in, in terms of what the story is and who could do what magic and what whatnot. And the only common well, one of the main common threads with this is um the main voice actor for the two main um kind of antagonist bad guys is Matthew Reese. Because he plays the the antagonist, who I swear was Mark Ma- McDowell. Well, I swear it was Malcolm McDowell, but he, he sounds a lot like Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. So he, he um he he's well he's uh in Perry Mason now. That's where I know him from. <laughs> and he was in the Americans. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um so he he's the main antagonist in both Owl House and Infinity Train. And yeah, I'll give Owl House like a good eight out of ten. I uh really enjoyed it as well. Um solid. Not nothing too mind blowing, mind blowing, but that's still good characterization for the kids. You know, again, this is not designed for people like my age, right? I'm too old for this, and I have relatively stabilized myself psychologically, right? At least to the best of my ability, right? <laughs> as far as you know, yeah, right? I mean, you, uh, you, but, but, you, you won't be won't be writing um, yeah, we're, we're, dense sci-fi novels if you won't, right? Right, right. You know, you know, as I say, learn to control the kids, right? Um, but I th- I thought it for kids, it's it's excellent material. I I really would have. Loved if I had stuff like this as, as, as a kid because, let like, admit it, I, look, I love the 90s, but the 90s didn't really have anything deep. Let like, admit that. 90s. Uh, 90s true. 90s, it, was, it was just shut 90s, your brain off and yeah, stuff, 90s was, stuff your mouth with a bunch of snacks and yeah, you know, 90s, watch, watch, you know, explosions. Kind of yeah, yeah, 90s was kind of <laughs> dumb because the only time the only time the 90s gets serious was, was with, uh, with, with the DC animated universe. That is when Batman oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Alright, they give me something. But it, it, it had few 90s shows that, that actually give you something to think about as a kid and whatnot. It's only until... Yeah, for me, my big thinker shows was Stargate and Star Trek. That was the shows that, oh, that's a real weird idea, boy. Wait, was the, was the implications of that, boy? You know, and yeah, you're thinking about that stuff as a kid, no? Um, yeah. But this stuff, this stuff really puts in a lot of interest in subtext stuff and, and things for, for kids to think about. And again, it's not... It's not... It's, you know, it's, it's for kids. It's for adults to appreciate, but it's for kids. Kids could have... You know, you don't talk down to children. Right. Yeah. You get. Your, no. Your well, I, I mean, I, I love, I love animated shows. Well, you know, the right. current ones that have that right. balance and able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and and what I, what I liked about it, what it does very very well is it 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 deals a, it does a very good job of handling both both Infinity Train and, and the All House handles emotional maturity very well, and the idea of how to handle stuff emotionally. Like one of the best episodes is when they went into the mind of a friend that the other friend abused, and she was very angry, but you don't know that. Until a spell revealed it, so they had to go into she mind to solve the problem, and the whole Ooh. thing was about the whole thing was about the emotions of the friend being effectively emotionally abused for all those years from another friend, right? And they have to accept that. Other people can't handle emotional emotional um you know emotional maturity in shows. You know, it, it's something that you think is only for adults. Only only a very serious movie does this, and it's like yeah, but the little kid shows handling the adult stuff way better than most of these like big movies. And there are a lot of movies that take itself so seriously, and it's just the most emotionally, you know, stunted stuff ever. And uh, I'm gonna straight up say it, my boy Zack Snyder. Look, I like just I like I like I like Zack Snyder, but holy shit, them movies are so miss the point in terms of how to be emotionally mature. I always make the joke, the darkest moment in all of the DCEU is when 
Billy Batson meet his mother, you know. Let us be let us clear about let us be clear about that now. The darkest moment. Oh, in you DC mean that that, that one that one scene that that people just kind of yes. forgot. You know, but to me, I was like, "What is the darkest shit in the whole show? Like this way darker than anything Batman v Superman or Justice League ever do." People just have a, like a mixed, like total confusion of what they think dark is, and they think, "Oh, you know, a man had a gay yarn rip off and you know raped in prison or something yeah, nonsense yeah. like that." Oh, I'm nothing to do with guts, what, yeah, that, yeah, that. I have nothing to do with. I have nothing to do with what what an adult thing is now, and it's like, yeah, the the actual most impactful and to me emotionally damaging moment in the whole of the DCU is Billy Batson meeting his mother and realizing his mother didn't want him. And I was like, wait, that real dread do that worse than anything in my yeah, opinion. Of course, that worse than <laughs> anything than 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 any whole of the DCU in my opinion. But so, so is that yeah. is that what we're talking about? And we need that. You see, that aspect of this is is the big turnaround you need in terms of what people think is dark. You know, you need to have that really emotional maturity in something now. What people think is mature is, is stupidness. Um, and that is, that is what has turned off our a lot of like film culture and whatnot now. And this this whole, yeah, for lack of a better term, is, is basically a bunch of Philistines talking, um, controlling the degree now. And, and, you know, sorry to say this, people who are like Stardy bullshit and Chris Nolan, right? You know, they, 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 they started, but they didn't know how to address it properly. And other people just copy it for bad reasons. So shows like this is breaths of fresh air, in my opinion. They're very good. They're very smart. They're emotionally mature and they handle emotional emotional maturity for kids very well. I really wish I had a show like this or these shows like this, but more shows like this, I should say, as a kid. It had a couple of shows back, I remember them off the top of my head, right? Because it was just basic bullshit back in the 90s. Eh? Sorry to say it. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's just what it is. Um, you know, and you know, in the context of Black Panther, again, you know, with, with Chandler Boson's passing, how to get people to handle these things without having a meltdown or being completely meltdown. It's like, no, you have to accept that these things happen in life and you, you grieve and then you. You, you move on and you get little children to understand this, right? How to understand these little ideas now. So, yeah, that's just me. So, that's that. Right. I will talk about uh, the sequel for, you know, the, uh, what I call the cult favorite um, South Korean zombie horror film from 2016. That would be Train to Busan. Um, this would be Peninsula, right? Um, I actually I, I remember in, um, really enjoying it and appreciate it for what it is. The thing is that I watched it over again, you know, in preparation for this movie here. And I could see why people, you know, would, would, would regard it that high, um, have that right. so highly regarded, right? For me, I do love it, love it, love it, love it. But I do appreciate how emotionally driven it was. That, that to yeah. me is what really makes that show work. You know what I mean? you had a dad, you had a daughter, and they didn't want to be in the situation. They were just on a train heading down to go and meet, um, well, his ex-wife, right? And then, well, some person came in that was infected and, you know, one thing led to the next. And I'm not going to spoil how it ends, but it was just so emotional. This had a lot of gut right. punches, you know, me throughout the show. And it also said a lot without really going too deep into, but then again, I have to know a lot about South Korean society to really get. Um, right. That would be about, well, South Korean society, right? How the classes, social classes look at each other, right? Because there's moments where the higher-ups don't even want the, you know, the ones lower, well, perceived to be lower than them to even come into the same, um, the same compartment that they are in, you know what I mean? Um, and the excuse is, oh, they could be infected, right? So there's, there's those little, 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 um, Sociopolitical stuff that he that he squeezed in, but it wasn't too direct. It wasn't too all um, in your face, right? But yeah, I mean, uh, they were they were. I mean, it was like a nice little departure from the American style of you know zombie, um, zombie media basically, right? And and of course, I have to bring up you know the Walking Dead because yeah, you know, I mean, within the 
mid to late 2010s. I mean, when you're talking zombies, yeah, that was like the show to go to, right? And I had to bring this up too because, um, and I know for some people this might be somewhat of a gripe, but yeah, uh, Peninsula does borrow from <laughs> The Walking Dead, right? Um, but right. what the story is about, right? So it, well, it starts off basically um, at the time when the infection um, takes place, right? Well, what happened that uh, there was this bio factory and some viruses released and, you know, people got sick and whatnot, right? So it should just basically throws us into Armageddon, right? You know, people are dying, you know, I mean, the shit is going crazy, right? And right. we are centered on this uh, Marine captain, right? Um, not going to call names because they're, they're Korean, right? Forgive me, right? And essentially, he's trying to get his, his older sister and her husband and his nephew um, to the ship, right? Um, leaving leaving South Korea. But on the ship itself, not surprising, um, one of the people that they, that they saved, you know, was infected. And then, of course, that just spread and people just started going crazy and whatnot. And... Just to talk about how the, the, the sickness is spread, right? So it's mainly, you know, when someone is bitten, they just instantly turn into, well, they become zombified, right? Right. It's not like somebody will have their, you know, skin ripped off or, you know, um, being eaten alive or whatnot, and then they turn. So it's one of those little zombie things that, you know, doesn't really make that much sense, like logically when you think about it, but it's kind of like, you know what? It's a zombie film, so like whatever, right? So right. you know, so point is, right? You would think, oh, the person have to die before they turn into a zombie, but no, they are just starting to get bitten, right? But right. it is kind of funny that a whole bunch of zombies would just gang up on one human being, and you're thinking, well, shit, they're just being eaten alive. So oh, they're alive now, okay, whatever, right? So long story short, um, the marine and his um his brother-in-law, they are the only, well, they are one of the few survivors on that ship, right? So four years later, they find themselves, well, they're in, in Hong Kong, right? So they run afoul of some Hong Kong gangsters, basically, right? Well, they're not technically triad, but they're just like trying to be triad people, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the people involved is this American guy. Um, for, for the life of him, I swear he was trying to do like a Mickey Rock kind of um, impersonation right. kind of thing. But, you know, he, he's just trying to play that that old tough guy, basically, right? What he says is that um, there's, well, basically what they used to do, because they, they make deals with the other countries that more or less trying to keep. What happened is that because of the infection, it, it, it merely is in, okay, so it's only in Korea right now, right? So essentially that, that country has been blocked off by, you know, the other countries, right? So um, these, these gangsters more or less make a deal with the, with, you know, Hong Kong, you know I me, mean, who who basically just trying to prevent people from going in, right? Or or coming out basically, right? Um, so they will just kind of get supplies in and out basically. And in this case now there's a, a truck that had food, but it was also money, like um US dollars, like like thousands of dollars that they were trying to to get out of um out of South Korea and onto the this pier, right, which is at this peninsula, Henty title, right? But one thing that to the next the person got killed, right? So the truck is just there, just, just sitting down there waiting, right? So the plan is now is that our heroes and a few other South Koreans will sneak onto, will go back into the city itself, get the truck and uh, meet meet the gangsters at the, at the pier and then just head back home and they will be set right. for life basically, right? So 
the catchers now, okay, so they do the job. They they, they, they go in now. They have to be careful of the zombies. And I mean, um, if you remember to, from the first movie, um, they are they are blind when it's well when it's dark. Basically, they they are, they are blind, right? But any bit of light that they see, they just go rabid, right? So they have to kind of maneuver their way through the town, and you know, they 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 they, they get to the truck. They do what they have to do, right? Here's the problem now. There is this particular ragtag group of soldiers, right? I think it's, um, I think it's called Unit 651. If I got the name wrong, please forgive me, right? And essentially, just, just to talk um, uh, walking dead for a bit, it's essentially Negan and his group again. Right, right. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of crazy, psycho, right. you know, tough guy who wouldn't hesitate to beat his men down to shape, you know what I mean? So, um, the brother-in-law ends up being captured by this group of soldiers right the marine guy the hero himself he ends up meeting this family and it's kind of ironic because um this was a family that he could have saved at the very beginning of the show but you know because it's all about every man for himself he kind of left he like he kind of left them back now so right. they are they are like the last line of defense they know how to handle themselves they know how to use guns and all that well essentially it's um well it's a woman right who who call on the shots basically but she has two daughters Found they they realized well they they basically want to get that truck now and then go back to well get to the pier and get out, but at the same time now um, our hero has to go and save his brother-in-law and that in a nutshell is what Peninsula is about right, so just to get the obvious out of the way no this is not exactly like the first movie, I know for some people that will be a turn-off right there's a few things there's a few aspects about it that that still exists that would be its emotional core right there's right. a there's a there's quite a few gut-punching emotional moments you know what i mean like that's what the first film did like they will always have like a, a character crying they were like in the case of the first movie a little girl that cries so much and it's like oh gosh buddy you just you just literally ripping my heart out with this one so they kind of do the same thing here but it's at a climatic moment that i don't want to spoil right so yes, there is emotion in the show, but the show isn't really about the emotion. It's really what it is in a nutshell. It's Escape from New York meets The Walking Dead. That's what it is. You have characters right. who sneak into a a town that is overrun by these bodies, and they have to do this job, and they have this time limit and whatnot, and they <laughs> always run into these weird characters. Because remember, this is technically a post-apocalyptic sci-fi that we that we watch here right and that's right. that's another thing that that um well for me i i can appreciate it but i know for some people they're like eh, but it's not like the first movie you know where it's essentially a post-apocalyptic sci-fi film a sci-fi action film right? right there is there are elements of horror in it for sure right but um just like any first film but it's not entirely a horror based film right it's not socially socio-political this time but it's just like yeah, this is how you know the the future of 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 you know Sakura would look like if there was a zombie apocalypse. It it just looks and plays exactly like that, right? You get some really 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 dope um, action scenes and one day there's a nice long take involving well just to bring up Walking Dead again, a game involving prisoners and you know rampaging zombies, right? So they do that thing, right? They they do that that trope. Um, but they had a nice little long takeaway this following character after character as they're running or they're being attacked basically by by some. It's a really, really cool scene. Um right. and also too, as far as characterization goes, it's not as strong 
as in the first film, like in the first film, you you understood, you you, you got a sense of who the the main character was, right? Who the daughter, how, what the, the daughter's role in his life, and all that kind of stuff. Here is just kind of two dimensional. Oh, you're the bad, you're you're the bad guy, or you're the tough badass who's supposed to stop him. All right, cool. You know what I mean? It's just and it's just the nature of these kind of shows. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to stop to tell you backstory and all that kind of stuff, right? So cool, but. I would admit, though, because of how familiar um, the tropes in the show um, are, it does kind of take away from, you know, your, your overall expectations of, you know, this show, of, of it being a sequel. Like, you're thinking, right. oh, this is going to be better than, you know, Train to Busan, the original one. But no, because, really, because the first film did its damnedest to try, um, really, to not, use or you know the same tropes and cliches of previous zombie films right especially from the from the um from the states here it's kind of taking bits and pieces of those same things with some post-apocalyptic stuff that you've seen before like how i said you know escape from new york anything like in the future basically with um where where things just go on to hell you know i mean they kind of bring that up here so yeah for some people they might watch this and be like yeah, been there, seen this. I kind of know what's going to happen next. But I, I honestly felt that they, they, they found unique and clever ways of making it, you know, a little, a little distinct, a little unique to them, right? But yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed it for what it was, though. It is, it's a, it's a, it's a less superior sequel than um, to the to the original. I'll, I'll admit right. that. But I, I do like the fact that, and if you kind of look at the title itself, right? Because it's titled Peninsula, but also... In the states, they have Train to Busan presents Peninsula. Right. So right off there, it's it's kind of telling the audience, yes, it's in the same universe, it's the same world basically, but we're not trying to do Train to Busan again. That's done. It's over. Right? We do it something a little bit different. So I I applaud the 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 creative team behind you know well the series because there's also an animated uh, film um, Soul Station that came out um, a while back. I haven't seen it as yet. But I do applaud the fact that they, they did some world building. They're actually kind of going back into this whole zombie apocalypse and kind of, ex, you know, exploring new 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 avenues now. You know what I mean? So I, I, I dug that. But it's just that it does have, you know, these zombie tropes, the cliches, stuff like that. And yeah, for some people, that will make or break their enjoyment. But for me, I just kind of saw it for what it was. Um, I actually saw it, you know, um, Saturday night. <laughs> well, the, you know... Basically, watch it, you know, Saturday night, I had nothing to do. And I would say, right. yes, it's a good Saturday night flick, right? When you have nothing to do, you, you, you put it on, you shut your brain off for two hours, and you have a blast, right? But I don't see this having that much longevity like the first film, where you could go back and be like, yeah, you know what? I like the emotional, you know, um, nature of the show. I like how you could feel for these characters. Uh, first time a zombie movie made me cry, you know what I mean? You don't really get that here. You, you, you get the trills, you get the chills and whatnot. You get some some actually genuine laughs in it. And you get some, you know, a couple of, you know, gut punches and some, you know, close to Mantia's moments, you know what I mean? But but not too too close though. But right. for it is um I I am I'm, I'm actually feeling a, a lighter decent three and a half out of five man. I would say it's worth checking out. Um but I would just say, you know, if you're going expecting the same thing in the first movie, you'll be very, very, very disappointed. If you're going expecting some fresh, original, unique take on the zombie genre, you're not gonna get that. Um 
And I mean, the first film wasn't... Well, the, the really one, the, the major original thing about the first movie, to be honest, let's be real here, is the fact that a majority of it took place on a train, right? On a subway. That was it. Um, and it, the, the other stuff was just characterization and, you know, the emotion and all that kind of stuff, right? But it wasn't like the most original zombie film ever. So same thing here with this one, except the fact is... Yeah, it does draw from other films. It does use certain scenarios and, um, you know, tropes that you've seen before. There's even, this last thing I want to say, there's even some Mad Max stuff near the end, like a little car chase in the third act, which right. plays out very well, actually, in my opinion, but still is just like, it'll instantly remind you of, of, of Fury Road. They want to see it, right? right. But yeah, I, I thought it was decent for what it was. I, I'll see those people watch this again in a hurry. But yeah, I would say if you're a fan of the first movie, give this one a look, man. And I don't know where this franchise, if you want to call it that, is going to go from this point on. You know what I mean? But I I actually think they have a, they have a lot of places where they could, you know, explore this whole zombie apocalypse in, in South Korea thing. Like, I, I have a feeling they could explore that even further. But in the meantime, Peninsula is out. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to check it out, check it out. But if you really want this to be as you know me better um than, than the first film yeah it's best to keep your, your expectations kind of low for this one right all right and last but not least let me talk about bill and ted by bill and ted right. sorry face the music yeah. so ricardo if you don't mind i just for you to do the synopsis for this right but i just want to do sure. a little intro you know a little intro to let you know right so i personally would not call myself the biggest 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 fan of the bill and ted franchise right yeah. i actually saw the, the the first movie years ago um on cable didn't see it when it came out in theaters because i've been too young right talk about 1989 here but as a late 80s you know silly sci-fi comedy i thought it worked right it was it was entertaining yeah. You really saw the chemistry between um, Keanu Reeves, or young Keanu Reeves, and young Alex Winter, right? I mean, who would have thought this guy, this Keanu guy, who's saying, dude, you know what I mean, would have go to star in films like Point Break or, you know, the Matrix trilogy? And it was funny that those two shows um, always tr- um, make references, sorry, to the Bill and Ted, you know, um, movies up to, the, up to that point now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Today, you could kind of consider them to be stoner comedies, just off of the characters of Bill and Ted themselves. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're slackers, but they're not like potheads, right? They just yeah, kind of like talk like they, like they, yeah, like they you know, from like kind of, surfers. But, yeah, that kind of weird California accent they have. Like right, exactly. That called Californian accent. And I mean, they, like, they're not idiots, but ever so often they would do something stupid or they would say something stupid. You yeah, know what they, they, they're kind of functional idiots i mean the, the whole point is that yeah. they're dumb but in the, they're dumb in their own way we kind of take them exactly 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 um i also remember the well the the animated series well bill and ted excellent excellent adventures um i remember that i don't remember much of it though to be honest so i right. think if i'm not mistaken each episode had to do with a particular um <clears throat> a particular period in time or something like that. Right. I can't remember. Right. That's 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 the anime series. I somewhat remember. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I vaguely, yeah. yeah I, I vaguely remember it as well too. But the point I'm getting at is is that um, for some odd reason I never watched Bogus Journey until like about a few years ago. Like just out of the blue, I just like oh yeah, I never saw that right. right. And to me, that show while it it's not as great as the, as the first film, let's be honest here. Um, story-wise, 
I felt like in terms of its cult status or establishing these two films as cult classics, I think this is where Bogus Journey really nailed it, right? It was, right. it just kind of went out of its way to be weird and strange and funny and not batshit crazy, but just weird. Um, and it just let the imaginations run wild with this one. Though. And for me, it just really felt like this, like you say, like all the like the first film that was that was late eighties, you know, comedy. Like this was like the last time we're gonna see comedies of this kind of stature, right? Where you have this ridiculous premise, but you just get great actors and a great director to make it work, right? So essentially, you're just taking the the, the Back to the Future um, premise. But it is taking out all the the heady stuff in it, all the scientific stuff, and just making it about these two idiots <laughs> trying to 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 do um, a report by literally going back in time and kidnapping a bunch of historical figures, like like right. something like that would have never worked out on you know what I mean today, right? But because it came out at that period in the late eighties, it's like yeah, you know what I mean shows like like in the eighties you've had weird premises like this before. I mean look at weird science for example, right? right. So yeah, that was something that 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 would not have worked back then. But with the Bogus yeah. Journey now, because it's early nineties, so you know it's bigger. We want to have more stuff going on. In this case, you're not dealing with time, but they're dealing with the afterlife, right? So you see that um, played excellently by William Sadler, and it was just this great kind of you know early nineties take on well the afterlife itself, right? right? Heaven and hell and all that kind of stuff, and just all these insane you know scenarios and whatnot, right? So. But because of how out there that second film was, and just how, you know, to me, just how how wild it was, imaginative wise, that's where I felt like, okay, this is where this is why these shows are called cult classics, and to extend stoner films. I can imagine men probably used to just get high off both of those movies, right? But last thing I want to say though, so yeah, I kind of just treated those shows as just, well, you know, we those were products of their time, right? These were examples of how you know, lowbrow PG-rated comedy was, right? So, you know, I just kind of left it at that. Um, but then, no, you know I me, mean? we just, we, where we got word early on this year, I believe it was, that we were going to get a sequel called Facey Music. And I'm like, but the last film came out in like 1991, Tred. So, right, yeah. it's not to say like the, because I, I, I don't think, honestly, or I refuse to think that they was trying to make this thing and it just got, you know, it, it was in production hell, sorry, in development hell for years or something like that. I just feel like somebody just woke up one day and said, you know what, I think I think we really need to make a third film that really show our characters, you know what I mean, as old as they are right now, you know what I mean, and let's see what crazy right. hijinks we could get them into. But that's just my, my take on the series as a whole. But yeah, Ricardo, your thoughts on... Well, you know, the first two movies. The, yeah, you know, uh, it's yeah. one of these things. Uh, you're familiar with it. I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I, I kind of know the cartoon. The first one, like, yeah, eh, I never got into it. Um, from what I understand, it, it was written before Back to the Future because I always thought, oh, it was just the kind of the, the B rated version of Back to the Future. But apparently. It, oh, really? It, it okay, was, then that was right. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, but it came out after. Um, and then I think what happened is that they didn't want to. Uh, that is why I, th- I think that is why they changed the phone boot thing. I think it was supposed to be a van originally for time oh, travel. Okay, okay, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Or something so I, I forget what it was exactly. But it's is that. It's it's these they the, you know, it's somebody come out with that thing and then it ended up being super successful. So you don't want to come out as if you're you're ripping it off, even though it's your idea. Eh, small thing. 
Um, yeah, it's a franchise I, I like. I don't love uh, it come and gone for me. Um, so it's it is not these. I wasn't like super anticipating this or anything like that. I was like, all right, well, I'll go watch it. Um, fine. <laughs> yeah. So, in a nutshell, what is Bill and Ted facing music about? Right. So basically, what happens is that the Bill and Ted is destined to make this song that will usher in peace for humanity. And they basically tried to make the song and they never made the song. And basically they effectively, well, they, they get, um, they get, you know, contacted by Rufus's daughter. That is, um, the late George Carlin. Yeah, he's played by Chris and Shaw, I think. Yes, you're right. Chris and Shaw. Yeah, Chris and Shaw. But I forget the, I forget the, act, the oh, actual character. Kelly. Kelly. Kelly, yeah, Kelly. Anyway, so they um she gets sent to the, they, they they get sent to the future, um, realizing that they're not making the, the song. And then what happens is that they they tell them that they that they it's quite possible that they misinterpreted the the song and they, they won't necessarily make it. So they had to, they're supposed to make the song at some point in time and they run out of quote unquote time, whatever that means, and they they effectively have to make the song. So what they, they do decide to do is go to alternate futures of themselves making the song to solve the problem. And they have to deal with that. And then their daughters effectively collect all these, these best musicians of history to join the band to help them sing the song. And, you know, things move from A to B to C and get into the end of it. And it have all this subtext about toxic versions of yourself in the future and, you know, how time play out for Gen Xers and, you know, passing on the the the, the, buck, the well, passing the, the the mantle on to younger generations because you kind of see you kind of see the plot coming a mile away, in my opinion, in terms of where was where it was going to go. And they effectively, well, well, we can start talking about it now. They effectively yeah. repeat the plot. They mix up the plot of the, sec- the first and second films and then yes, make it a kind of fan, yes. a fan film in that sense. So it would feel like a kind of cheaper extended fan film. And I, I, you know, I would have judged this a little harsher if. Belented wasn't so at least charming and, and workably infectious in terms of their personality because it, everything felt really cheap and you know felt like the, a lot of the blocking and, and staging of the scenes come across real crappy but that other stuff was fine like some of the makeup was pretty good special effects look shitty but then some of the, vis- the um, practical effects look great and then the girl who they got to play Bill's daughter that was Samara Weaving. She was she didn't really do anything that interesting. But then they got the girl who they got for Ted's daughter felt like Ted's daughter, but it was like almost like a carbon copy of Ted, which was a bit much. Like I felt they could have just gotten two different girls, like they, in terms of personality. Yeah. Uh, maybe I, felt like it, I, I don't know, maybe maybe that was the point, you know, having yeah, yeah, no, Samara Weaving character not be so much like her father. Right. But right, the other yeah. one being Almost like a father, you know what I mean? I guess yeah, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty much a clue, right. Um, but I don't know, it just come across as, as inconsistent. That's how it felt to me. Um, but right. it was fine. Um, then, um, yeah, they get into, well, they bring back the, the princesses from the previous one. They, 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 well, they got married to them and they had yeah. the kids. And I, I, then I'm going to talk about those princesses in a bit, but yeah. Yeah. And then, well, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, it has, um, they just told the story and then in and out. I mean, it, that was it. And they, well, they, they solved the problem. Nothing special or interesting about it other than that. But it was fine. I, I didn't have any major issues with it um, in that sense. It just felt like a kind of workable fan film that you would put out on YouTube or something. It didn't feel like something that could go in theaters. But it's fine. 
Yeah, um, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll use that to, to, to share my thoughts huh? because, uh, yeah, brace all yourself, folks, because I just got some thoughts on this, right? So, I'd agree with you. Um, this, like, even when I was watching this, I was like, you know, I am so happy I didn't watch this in, 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 in theaters in a way, yeah, um, because it's just the way how it's filmed, the way how it's presented, and all that. It, it just felt like, yeah, this was either, well, you know, VOD as we watched it, or this could have been a Netflix special, you know what I mean? A, a, right. a movie, something like that, right? Right. I don't know. That's, I'm just sorry. It just feels like that, right? So, um, that's, I just want to get the not so good out of the way, because, yes, while there is some good, there is some not so good. Not not horrible, but that's not so good, right? So, just big, big, big one for me personally, right, whilst, whilst watching this. Um, because I recapped um, the first two movies, right, and how I mentioned before how they worked because of the time that they were released, right, or right. whatnot, right. So exactly. first film coming out at the the heydays of the eighties, you know, comedy, right, and then the next one coming out um, early nineties of the summer blockbuster, whatever you want to call it, right. That that style, right. This to me felt, unfortunately, like it was too little, too late, right. Like yeah. this. And, and you know me. This is not me knocking the the you know be the the cast and crew, right? I, I know they put their hearts into this, right? But I felt like if it were up to me, I know maybe I'm wrong here, but this if it was up to me, this shit could have come out in the two thousands. I'm gonna tell you why. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, it it felt yeah. yeah as I say, yeah, yeah, it felt like yeah. that. I mean, it, the, the the working comparison in my head as like is like comparing it to the, to the Clerk sequel. But the clock sequel actually felt like an evolution of the characters. That you know, right, yeah. This doesn't feel like a, a workable evolution at all because the central conceit of them not being able to pull off the song was kind of interesting. But then they, you didn't really get that because the story jumped a little too fast into the the, the resolution. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, that, I agree. That's why, yeah. yeah, so that's why I didn't really. But, um, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Right, but sorry about that. But but yeah, but but reason why I say in the two thousands, right? Because I'm I'm talking really about low-brow comedy, right? Um, right? Comedy where you could tell, you know, they're not really, like, they, they, have a, they have a premise, it sounds cool, quote-unquote, right? They didn't really think about it all that much, right? So, yes, there are flaws there, but they kind of, more or less just sweep it under the wrong and just kind of remind people, hey, you know what I mean? It's just to shut, shut your brain off and just have fun, right? Yeah, yeah that's what think First movie, how they, they touch on, well, time paradoxes, right? If you remember right. what how they played that out. But to me, why I say it should have been in the 2000s, right? Yeah, because of the, the style of companies that, that were out back then, right? Like, yeah. not another teen movie, the scary movie films, uh, Van Wilder, you know what I mean? Right. Dude, where's my car? That kind of stuff. No. Like, I felt like this would have been the perfect time. Um, I mean, yes, if, if the first two movies are PG, this one is a PG as well. But it would have been interesting seeing a PG version of the same two characters, but with the same kind of lowbrow comedy that was this huge back in the in the tw- uh, in the two thousands. You know what I mean? Even though those films were you know very risky and whatnot, right? But right. here it just felt like that lowbrow humor was just gone. So now we just have a bare bones plot that really doesn't make any sense. And yeah. the key to you really appreciate it is just the leads and just the mere fact that you're watching a Bill and Ted movie and you're not supposed to think too much about the story. Because, yeah, I mean, premise-wise, it is very bare bones. It, is, it does not make much, much sense. Even right down to the whole um, 
the whole conflict of you know the you know our heroes must make this song that will unite the world right and then well i don't want to spoil what happens in the end but they rush that end boy to the point where like but, but this still doesn't make any sense though but i'm supposed to like this because it's Bill and Ted doing this, and there's a song playing, and it sounds lovely, and it's all the hijinks is going on. So, it's it is very uneven in terms of that, right? So, yeah, this is this is a film, um, to really to be perfectly honest, that this felt two decades too late in my opinion, or a decade yeah. too late in my opinion. Um, but I mean, well, just just before we get to to the good, right? Um, also, yeah, narrative wise, um, while I do appreciate the fact that they were referencing the first two mov- well the first two movies um as i said fan film it really does feel like you know just this uber fan of the series kind of watching this franchise like you know imagine this this premise that like you know 20 years from now you know I me mean, bill and ted are old and you know they have daughters now and you know they have to go to couples therapy and all that kind of stuff but they're able to do the stuff that we love for the first two movies again you know what i mean so it, it does have that feel to it that's not to say that there wasn't any passion or heart or effort put to it but it just felt like yeah you know what i mean you just kind of mash the two shows up and it's really from a you could tell it's, it's from a fan right you could um i'm not sure who the director is but i have a feeling yeah he was a huge fan of this show but and and it shows right to the, from the references you know to the air guitar stuff to just having certain characters return like death for example yeah, um, right. you know stuff like that now you know um as far as because there's two arcs going on right well as far as arc school because there's bill and ted's arc and then there's the daughter's arc right that would be theodora and billy right yeah um i kind of found myself kind of going back and forth with both arcs like I was digging, you know, Bill and Ted's own and just them going to the future and seeing themselves right. in different stages of their, li- in their lives and this kind of like, right. well, you know, bad decisions. I, and I, let I, felt, yeah, I felt they kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it, uh, on the fence about this, because I felt both arcs kind of work, but I felt they could have gelled them to a little better or pick one. I agree. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so right. I felt right. Gel them together he, or, or, or pick one. Pick um, one better. Because I get yeah. what it was going I get the idea of both of them, but they didn't gel together particularly well. Um, they eventually came when they, when they got to the health section. I was like, okay, I, I kind of get this because everything is a call back to the previous films. But right, um, right. a lot of a lot of that humor was kind of falling flat for me, especially stuff with with um, we call it with with Jimi Hendrix and that kind of thing. That that stuff wasn't like yeah, fun. Was just yeah, I, just come on, good. Yeah, I'll I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But yeah, um, like I was like, okay, like from an emotional standpoint, I, I get where you're coming from with the Bill and Ted arc, but right. just joke wise, I just felt that it was just. A majority of the jokes just didn't land for me. Um, and same yeah. thing for 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 um, Tears and Billy's arc, right? Like, yeah, okay, yeah. cool, they do the same thing again. Like what they did, like what they, their parents, sorry, like what their um, fathers did in the first movie. That's okay, but you have this stuff with um, with Jimi Hendrix, and they just keep going back and back, further back in time to the point that they just pick a friggin' key woman who who good with drums and oh she's gonna be the drummer it's like what yeah you know what i mean it's... but <laughs> you know what but, but it, the thing you know, is the time machine is just pick just go exactly where it need to need it to get to get to now in terms of location so that yeah, makes yeah. sense as whatsoever yeah um, but, but, but while, while i do understand the whole point of 
they you know their reasoning behind getting the best musicians to to be part of the band. I think they could they could have just played that old way better though than just keep going further back 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 in time, right? Um, and it was just weird even to even well, I, I know that he was in the film, but the way how they put him in it just made no sense at all. Kid Cudi. Right. This yeah. was this is one of these jokes that you know is one of these jokes that has worked back in the days where okay, so Bill and Teddy used to always do this where you have a character who not supposed to be smart, but then they start to yell out a bunch of like a bunch of advanced information and shit about the world. So Kid Cudi apparently well, is this that's, big that's, that's, sto- that's a stoner comedy trope, man. Right, right. Like, like it's, half big. They have a yeah, they have a character in half big. I believe it was like I forgot who the character was because I haven't seen half big in ages. Yeah, who like just smart out of the blue. So Right, it's it's part of the nature of of those shows, right? Man, I mean. Right, it's that, yeah. So they, all of a sudden, it's that he's you know Kid Cudi. But the thing is, it's not a stoner comedy thing. I'm not sure that's supposed to be the idea. Anyway, but that's a joke because Futurama did it a lot uh, as well, right? A lot of shows did that. All of a sudden, okay. we have this character who yelling out super smart stuff, you know, uh, like quantum blah 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 blah. This so like, all right, okay. Uh, yeah. I suppose that's kind of funny because he's a rapper. And you're not supposed to be seeing that. Uh, okay, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so a couple things, couple before we get to the good, right? Once again, I felt that they just dropped the ball with the princesses. Like right. I understand they are side characters and they just exist to be like, oh well, you know, we went to the 15th century and we got these princesses, dude. And uh, you know right. what I mean? Even in the second film, they they try to find ways to to have them be a party story, but here was just, oh well, they 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 keep. Um, referencing each other every time they, they say I love you and I'm not sure if this relationship is going to work so our older selves from the future are going to take us on a tr- on, you know I mean time traveling and then we, we'll pick a reality that works for us and it's like right. none of this makes any sense yet. It, and once again it's just we really don't know what to do with these princess characters we just kind of have them there you know what I mean and ch- ca- trying to give them a, a point but there was really none in this as far as I could say it. Um, also unfortunately wasn't really feeling that 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 robot that that time traveling robot that was right that was know, a, another bit another bit that just fall flat for me um, yeah like like bits of it that I kind of get like all, yeah. all of a sudden he 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 feels bad because oh he 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 messed up because essentially he's a Terminator character, right. but you know he's more robot than cyborg basically right. But after he he botches the job because he said she was supposed to kill Bill and Ted, but now afterwards he's just like I'm sorry man, I just want to make it up man. My name is Dennis. Uh, my name is Dennis McCoy, and you know the yeah, joke yeah, is that's oh, it. You mean? yeah, well, normal name yeah. Okay. yeah yeah so yeah so I would yeah. say the laughs were more misses. Then hits, right. unfortunately. But now to get to the good. Um, I really felt that the cast gave their best. Um, even right. right now to Alex Winter, though, who I mean yeah, I don't even know what last what, what the last show he was in <laughs> outside of the yeah, first yeah, two, much. you know, militant movies, but I felt that he just fit himself not 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 perfectly, but he fit himself back into that build rule, you know, very well now. I mean, Keanu Reeves, he could do no wrong because, you know, because of pop culture, he could just not do much and still make an impact, right? So him being older, more self-aware, Ted kind of would, you know what I mean? So often he would just be like that, dude, or whoa, you know what I mean? But I like how that he was kind of self-aware that he's just like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Kind of more aware of his 
existence and mortality, basically, right? Than just thinking, you know, life is all about fun and whatnot, right? Because so, and that's one thing I really like about this show here. It really show how these characters have grown for the most part, but I also felt like the show could have kind of emphasized that just a little bit more. They were just old guys who just shells of the former selves, but ever so often the show would always kind yeah. of find ways for, to them, for them to, to do the same stuff that we know from the first films and love, right? So, which right, so that that that, that, had, that had an interesting that had an interesting subject where they just keep going forward. This forward version of itself that was like really terrible and pathological. That was yeah. kind of it, it uh, was it was kind of interesting, but this yeah, felt that like they could have they could have um solved that that really solved it, but they could have <sighs> touched on it a, a, a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I, I thought I thought they could have been the main antagonist. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, I felt it could have been the main antagonist. So do something more interesting with it, like oh, the toxic versions of themselves versus the these nicer versions of itself and what they had to do to sacrifice for the future or something like that. Like they was trying to hint at that and they could have make it a deeper film, but it, yeah, it still worked. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, it worked. To, it just kind of having our characters kind of face themselves for the first right. time in like 25 years. Right. However, though, when you have this surface plot about you know time collapsing on itself, which by the way, that is another thing that was done. Not explain that. So. Yeah, well characters from all from 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 different from different years or whatnot just keep popping in and out all of a sudden from from into different timelines but then lo and behold all of them just show up in in in, in um in the town in, in, in california it's out yeah, in the well. blue um but yeah i mean uh, the, the the cast came did what they did you know what i mean they, they, they put their energy into it right? I'll, I'll give them that um even right down to the new actors that we that we got here you know i mean samara weaving um who is a new but you know new to this universe here um, Bridget Lundy Payne, who plays, um, you know, Billy. You know, they, 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 they did the thing, man. I mean, even right now, yeah, to Andrew know. Carrigan, who plays a robot, even though I didn't really care for his character much. You know, we dug the fact that they, they were trying something new with it, right? And then the end happens. And the end plays all the way you would expect it to do. And this one thing I just want to say here before we get to final thoughts of Rita, right? So. Um, <clears throat> so in the San Diego Comic Con, right, they had a panel for the movie, and Kevin Kevin Smith, right, was the one who was hosted, right, and he mentions that in the third act of this, right, leading up to the end, he was in tears, like he he the movie ended and he was just in tears, right, and I'm there like watching the end, watching things play out. I like all right, well, and then it just started to make sense to me. Like, you clearly have to be a serious, die-hard fan of this of this franchise to really to really love this film, though. Yeah. Like to really have that end movie. Because to me, I just kind of watch it like, all right, well, it happened, in, and then things happen that make no sense. That the show doesn't stop to explain, but I guess that's the point now because it's a Bill and Ted movie. Take that however you want to, but. <laughs> I saw the effort that the show was trying to make to to, to movement and to, you know what I mean, to, to kind of say, oh, well, you know what I mean, it's their music that unifies the world and all that jazz, right? Right. But if I if I, if I I were to be honest, though, I, I actually felt that like the ending of the, the of, of Boga's journey was way more impactful and it wasn't even, like, sad or anything like that. It was just like, yeah, you know what I mean? And they had a great song playing at the end, though. Um, the song from Kiss, I forgot the name of it. I think it's God Made Rock and Roll or something like that, right? But the song right. that they have here... I get what they're trying to do, and it's like, okay, it makes sense and it works. But still, um, am I supposed to be moved by this? I don't know. I'm, I'm not. You know what I mean? Right. But overall, I saw the effort in this. I appreciate what they were trying to do here. 
but it really does feel like a VOD movie <laughs> in, in every way, do from the presentation of it to the just the nature of it, just the lowbrow humor being almost non-existent, and then we just have this bare-bone story that doesn't really make any sense, but it's supposed to be fun, and it is fun marginally, right? But because it's a Bill and Ted movie, you just kind of have to take it for what it is and just appreciate it, right? But um, this show clearly is for the fans, I imagine fans just having a blast with it. Um, but I just felt like, for me, it just came out way too late. It should have come out earlier when lowbrow humor was still a thing, you know what I mean? But now it's all self-aware and, oh, you know what I mean? We're old and all that kind of stuff. It just kind of right. takes away from the from the humor of it. But, you know, thankfully, Keanu and Alex keep things afloat. The supporting yeah. cast do their thing. Um, I, I just kind of wish that for a movie that we wait, well, I didn't wait for, but for a movie that literally follows up a film from 1991, this could have been a true conclusion, like a true throwback into what made those films good. Here's just, right. we're trying to do it, but we also want to be mature too because everybody mature, but it just kind of sucks all the fun out of it for me. So, written wise, uh, like a decent tree, man. It's it's aight for what it is. Yeah. I really don't see myself watching this in a hurry. Um, only way I see myself kind of owning this film is if all three films came like in a in a box set. But right. if it were up to me, I'd just buy the first two movies, treat these as the cult classics as they are, and just enjoy that. And last thing I want to say before we get to your final thoughts and rating, so uh, somehow as a, you know me, me as a cult film connoisseur, I do see this film having cult longevity over the years i have a feeling that this could be one that people will eventually go back to years later and be like you know the show is not bad right. and did some things that was was kind of cool and you know what i mean and it will be up there amongst the, the 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 first two films but let's be honest the first two films were better the first one is the best that's really not seen that much but yeah i mean billeted face music is what it is so if you want to see it see it so last words and return yeah, um, as I said, the only reason I enjoyed it because it, it, you know, Bill and Ted just still charm and you know, they still work um, as as a play off each other. But I felt it just felt really, really unpolished. Um, I can't say in good conscience that I enjoyed it in that sense. Most of the jokes fell flat. Um, it was it was fine, and I, I gave it like a six out of ten as it is. Um, you know, it's it's harmless, I should say, and it it's central conceit. I felt like I've done a little better again. The main takeaway is how unpolished everything is. That's the main problem with it. It felt really amateurish. It felt like a YouTube movie, like something I was watching. Um, you know, the camera work and little cinematography stuff was just kind of bothering me. The, all the special effects was looking a little too shitty for me. Little stuff like that. Yeah. But again, and, and then it was, was, was way too rushed, man. Right, like, but the, again, the franchise... Yeah. yeah, but again, the franchise um, the franchise always had a, a low budget anyway, so it's like, whatever. I ain't expecting it to be like a Back to the Future 4, whatever it is. It's fine. Um, I, I dug it for what it was. It had some cool moments, like the part of the prison was pretty funny and clever. I thought that was okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was. I, I stuff like, it was. Yeah, yeah the, the, the part where they get the very, very old versions of them was, was pretty good makeup and whatever it is. The future oh, stuff yes, was nice. Oh, yes, yes, um, point, I felt like it had for, done for those, sorry, points for that, um, for that moment, though, and the makeup yeah. for it. Right, right. So stuff like that. I was like, yeah, okay, it's in and out, it's fine. It really not worth talking about all that much to be, to be frank, because, like, it could, but it didn't it's yeah it, it's good but for me it it just could have been way better i mean i'm not asking yeah. for much i know it's a bill and ted movie but still i mean come on come on mm -hmm. right all right so with all that being said ricardo where can we find you online 
ampassat rmdy that's at rmdy on twitter and then type in record number on facebook you should find me there all right on twitter you could find me at bear beat bailey on instagram you could find me at bears beats and bailey on facebook just look for my name match bailey along with the legally black blog official fan base so you find a link to this podcast as well as the ones that we've done over the past five seasons including retrospect reviews and uh stuff to look forward to um well this what i'll let you all know uh we are one episode left until wait for it episode 200 though Backer. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did the counting. I did. I recounted it again. And yes, folks, we 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 are hitting episode two hundred. Um, I'm not sure what we're gonna be talking about at that time. It's actually gonna be right after my birthday, so it'll be whatever cool stuff happens in between that time. I guess I'll talk about that. But in between that time, though, well, next episode that will be episode one nine nine. Yes, believe it or not. Um, Mulan. Right. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is the show that everybody's yeah. going to be looking out for. Yeah. Um, I, I really hope it it lives up to the hype. It's worth the wait, and it kind of make me feel like, oh gosh, boy, I, I would I would really enjoy it more if I saw it on big screen. Though, like, yeah, I, I think this this really like compared to you know Bill and Ted facing music. This to me it will be like the true cinematic film that well i'll be watching in my house right so we'll see how that plays out yeah yeah uh, that's what i'm excited for i just we could this and i don't know when um when well falcon and the winter soldier coming out could that have been waiting for a hot minute too i i i honestly don't even know <laughs> i don't even know if we're gonna get those those mc shows um this year at all i really right. don't know yeah right. but um you know i mean whatever cool stuff comes out you know i mean between now and the next episode we make the effort. We make the effort. Sorry to check that out. So yeah, you can look out for that in the next episode. And yeah, that's pretty much about it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever this is. This was Matthew Bailey, Ricardo Medina, and we are signed off for another episode of BSV to Billy. So until the next one, take care, rest in peace, Charles Boseman, stay yeah. safe and out, peace.